0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. To, uh, back this morning to uh, week number two uh, of our series, It's Possible. We're using our state motto here in Ohio as our theme for the series. Our state motto is the only motto in the union actually taken from the Bible. And uh, here's our state motto actually Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 26. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. So last weekend, as we launched this series, we spoke on the topic that with God, it's possible to be deeply transformed. If you weren't with us, I'd encourage you to listen to the talk. This week, we wanna talk about a second topic in the series, and it's this. With God, it's possible to embrace my Limits. It's possible to embrace my limits. Now, what is the first mental image that comes to your mind when you hear the word limits? Perhaps you have this kind of reaction to that word limits, that not me. I have no limits. Maybe this morning you think that particular statement limits. Uh, is a contradiction to the scripture with God, all things are possible. That it's suggesting we have no limits. I mean, after all, people of faith should not have limits, right? I mean, with God, all things are possible. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? This morning, let me give you a dose of reality. Reality. Reality is you can live your life by ignoring your limits, but it will not make them go away. And so this morning, we want to present to you a different way by which to think about limits. Because did you know that our world is governed by limits? Did you know our culture is uh, governed by certain limits and that your life and my life is then impacted by those limits. Let me give you a few that every one of us here can identify with this morning. We, are, we in our world are governed by speed limits. We are not driving on the Audubon here. This is not the Indy 500. If you go out in your car, I don't care how strong of an engine you have, if you are in a muscle car and you drive it to the limit, you're gonna recognize that this world is governed by speed limits. Did you know that we are also governed by time limits? If you're here and you're a student, you take a test, you have a certain limit on how long you're gonna get to take that test. It might be minutes. It may, if you are professional, it might be hours. But the reality is you will have some sort of limit with that. Your job is a limit. What kind of time you have to complete projects in your job creates limits. You might try to squeeze 40 hours of work into 24 hours, but that 24 hour is a hard, fast limit that you cannot do anything beyond 24 hours. There are speed limits, there are time limits, and there are also age limits. I hated that I had to wait until 15 and a half to get my permit, but reality was it was a limit for me. Um, When I got my hunting license as a kid, I wanted to hunt sooner than I was legally permitted to hunt. That was a limit for me. I was in Kroger last week, and as I was checking out in the self-checkout line, a red light came on, and a, a message on the screen came on that you need to wait to have your age limit checked. Look at me, right? All I wanted to do was to buy a nice bottle of decongestant. That's it. And they came and tested and checked my age limit for a bottle of decongestant. I mean, it's just reality. You know, reality is we have limits in life, but here's how many of us feel about limits, and this is what we try to do. We try to avoid them, right? So we endure limits, but we'll certainly not embrace them. Worse yet... Some people actually believe that limits are to be resisted or altogether rejected. This morning, here's the first thing I want you to hear. God subjected himself to limits so that we could experience his love. Have you ever actually stopped to think about this? God subjected himself to limits so that we could experience his love. John chapter one, verse 14. The word became flesh. Now now think about this. The word that created everything in the world, the word that spoke the universe into existence became confined to flesh. That's a limit. And it goes on to say, he made his dwelling among us. Listen, he had the expanse of heaven and he chose to come to this earth and be contained by this earth, by this world, confined by the limits of making this earth his dwelling place. And it goes on to say that we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Now, how do you understand grace and truth? Now, one way you can think about it is that grace is the relational side of God's nature and that truth is the structural side of God's nature. Now, here's how I like to think of it. Grace is love, truth is limits. And because God loved us, God actually gives us certain limits by which to live out our lives here on this earth. He comes to us both in incredible, limitless love, but he comes to us with the reality that we have in this life limits that we have got to face, to acknowledge with God's grace and not resist them, but see them as what they are. They are a gift from the heart of God to us. Let me tell you at a high level um, why I believe and why I say that, that limits are a gift. I think limits do a couple of things for us, a few things. I think limits, first of all, ground us. They keep us from living in an illusion and they keep us living in reality. You might be able to defy gravity if you are in an Avenger movie and you're mentally there in the movie. You might be able to dodge a bullet in the matrix, but in real life, you and I are tethered to this earth because of a thing called gravity. And that gravity keeps us grounded. Physically, it keeps us grounded to reality. The second thing limits I think do for us is they protect us. They protect us from needless hurt, needless suffering, needless pain. I can think in our journey here at Grace Crossing Church since our inception of two different times where we wanted to move forward with something financially and felt like it would be really good to do that and wanted to do that, but God placed limits on us. The first one was in 2006. We were less than a year in, on the campus of Wright State University, and God gave us the ability to buy this land. We were so excited, and we thought we were going to move forward with building immediately. It was three and a half years later before we ever started this building. It was part of God helping us become comfortable in our skin. Getting to a place where we got our identity not from a place, but from being the people of God. We recognized who we were. We felt deeply the missional calling of God, that we were okay regardless of what that meant. It was a limit. So limits ground us, they protect us, but limits also humble us. They humble us. Limits keep us from thinking of ourselves more highly than we should. They keep us from depending on our own resources, thinking that we've got it made. Can you imagine if God had given us and created us in such a way that we had no limits? If we had no limits, we wouldn't need God, right? So God gives limits because he wants us to need him and to need outside resources. So there's, there's this brilliant story that's told in the gospel of Luke. And it's a story that actually illustrates beautifully the power of limits that we're talking about today. I'm gonna read the story in its entirety. And then I wanna come back and double click on a few verses so that we can talk about what it means in this story and how we can see limits illustrated here. So Luke's gospel, chapter seven, I want to read verses two through verse number 10. A centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man subject to authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Now, a centurion was a high ranking officer in the Roman armed forces. So, when you hear the word centurion, think colonel or think one star. They're not the highest rank, but they're the kind of rank that demands respect and actually carries with that ranking incredible authority. And you can see the authority of this man illustrated in this this story. He understood his abilities. He understood his power. You see it actually illustrated in, in several ways here in the story. Number one, he had the authority to actually delegate. I mean, think about this. This guy could have gone to Jesus on his own. But instead, verse number three, here's what he decides to do. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. This man wasn't a Jew. But he actually had the kind of authority and the kind of power that he could actually delegate that to the Jewish elders. And they go to Jesus on his behalf. The second way we see his authority displayed is that he had the authority to influence. This is really incredible in this story, what happens. Let's look at these next verses. Verses four through six. When they came, the elders, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. So so capture the picture. Here is a Roman officer, not a Jew, who sends the elders to Jesus. And here is the influence this guy has. They come to Jesus and they basically say this. I know he's not one of us. He's not a Jew, but he loves our nation. He loves our people. He loves our culture. He loves our ethnicity. In fact, this guy is single-handedly responsible for building us our synagogue. I don't know if he built it with his own hands or if he paid for it, but this guy was credited with building the synagogue. And so they say, he deserves you to come to him. In other words, he actually deserves a house visit. Don't you think, Jesus? And so much influence he had that Jesus goes with them. The other thing that is powerful in this story is his authority to rule and to govern. Look at our next verse, verse number eight. He says, I myself am a man with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does that. This sounds like a guy with no limits. And yet in the story, what we see is though this guy was entrusted with incredible power and authority, his authority was not unlimited. There were certain things he could not do, certain things that he could not control. And you actually discover this in the story, how this guy literally embraces his limits. The first thing he does is he embraces his character limits. He embraces his character limits. Look at what he says. Luke chapter seven, verse seven. I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. So what he's doing here is he's recognizing his moral deficits. That even though the Jewish elders thought highly of him, he had an honest appraisal of himself and recognized that he had a limit morally speaking in his character. That he didn't even feel worthy of coming to Jesus himself. He also embraced his legal limits. Look at verse number eight. I myself am a man, subject to, Notice, I'm subject to authorities. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I can direct and I can rule over certain ones, but I don't have authority over everyone. And he recognizes it. And the final limit that he had that he recognized and embraced is he embraced his power limits. Let me ask you, why did this guy go to Jesus in the first place? The reason he went to Jesus was because he had a servant who was deathly sick and on the verge of dying, and he could do nothing about it. There was nothing he could do to fix this problem. Though this guy was a man of high authority, he could fix a lot of things in life. There was something he was dealing with that was beyond his power. He recognizes that he has a power and authority that has a beginning, but it also has an ending. And there were things that he could not do to fix it. So recognizing his limited power, what does he do? He appeals to the one with limitless power and limitless authority. He goes to Jesus. And that's where our limits should always send us. God wants our limits to always drive us to Jesus. That we recognize there are just things we can't do that are placed over our lives that some of those we have control over, but many of those we don't have any control over. There are just what I would call universal limits that we all deal with. And the question this morning is this too. Do you know where your abilities begin and where they end? Have you embraced both your abilities and your limits? And the most important question I can ask you this morning, and I'd ask you to sit with this question, is am I allowing my limits to drive me to Jesus? Let me tell you some of the universal limits that you have and I have. We all share them. Our physical body is a limit. It's a limit. Sickness and aging create limits for us. And it might help you this morning to know that Jesus actually confined himself to those same physical limits. There were things that Jesus, in his own physical body, could not do. He could not go on without stopping to rest. He could not go on without having food eventually. In fact, John's gospel chapter four actually illustrates this for us. Verses five through six, Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near a field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied, don't miss that word, wearied by his long journey. He sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food for it was already afternoon. Why would he do that? He'd do that because he was feeling the lack of energy. He was recognizing that his body only allowed him to go certain places and do certain things. Listen, as I'm getting older, my mind's telling me I can do things that my body is protesting and saying, you can't do that. There are just certain things. So I grew up roller skating and I did a lot of speed skating and about a year and a half ago, I decided to get back on the skating rink just to see if I still had the moves. The first thing that happened to me is I hit the ground. First thing. I finally got some of it down, but listen, there were just things I couldn't do that my body would not allow me to do that I once was able to do. Our physical bodies are limited. Second thing is our biological family. Our our family of origin is a limit, did you know that? Your family of origin creates certain limits for you. I had limitations placed on my life when my mom and dad divorced. One of those limits was poverty, relative poverty. I grew up on government assistance. And I recognize looking back that those were limits on opportunities for me that I did not get as a kid that I didn't have because of my family of origin. Your biological family is a limit. Your nuclear family, right now, your family right now, your immediate family is a limit. Did you know there are things that happens with your kids that actually create limits for you in your life? You don't control them. They they limit you. If you're here as a child, do you know there's things that happen to your parents that sometimes affect you and create limits on your time, your energy, your resources? Those are limits. Did you know that your ethnicity is a limit? You say, how so? I am limited in my understanding of an ethnic minority because I have not experienced what they've experienced in their life. And so sometimes it's hard for me to understand without seeking to learn and seeking to know and humbly moving toward their culture. I will never have to have the talk. And I didn't have to have the talk with my kids that an African-American dad has to have with his kids. That's just the reality. There are certain limits that are created in our lives. And I'm learning for me that my emotions are a limit that create certain opportunities that can either be seen as liabilities or assets. For many years, I saw my emotions as a liability. I saw my emotions as something to be ignored, minimized, or avoided altogether. I did not want to admit to feeling certain things. I did not want to admit to certain triggers that were going on in me emotionally. I did not want to face certain things about my life that were created and some of those things were shaped by my family of origin. Now here's what's happened in my life and my journey is I have become more willing and more readily willing to embrace my limits As I more deeply integrate emotional health into my spirituality, your spiritual life and your emotional life are inseparable. Jesus came to be a part of every part of you, He wants to make you whole, that's His desire. And so as I've grown in the limit of my emotions, what I've learned to do is not to see them as a liability, but rather to learn to see them as an asset. And here are some things that are happening in me as as a result of more deeply integrating emotional health into my life. Today, I more readily admit when I'm wrong. I used to never admit when I was wrong. I hated it. I can't say I jump up for joy when I do it. But I can more readily admit when I am standing in a place and I know that I am in the wrong and I've got to do only one thing. I've got to go admit it, acknowledge it, and ask for forgiveness. I did that with two people this week who I recognized I had made assumptions. And in those assumptions, I felt I had disrespected them. And I had to move and say, listen, I wanna own this. And I wanna ask for your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? I didn't minimize it. I didn't make light of it. I didn't, I didn't say it sarcastically as though it was no big deal. It was a big deal. And I've learned that as I'm integrating deeper into emotional health, I'm learning to become more familiar and comfortable with readily admitting when I'm wrong. Today, I can more readily admit when I'm feeling fear and insecurity. You say, you're a pastor, you're a leader. Do you ever feel insecure? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. And what I'm learning in my own life and my journey is that fear and anxiety are coming from a place. And so it's a place of wanting to protect, right? Reputation and image. I've learned how to recognize certain triggers that others could see, like my wife could see them. And so I'd come home and my wife would say, why are you tense? And I would immediately deflect and say, I'm not tense. When I knew deep inside, I was. I knew deep inside that I was feeling triggered. I knew that I was feeling fearful and anxious and it was all coming from insecurity. And I've learned how to move toward this and say, before she ever asked me, honey, I just want you to know I'm feeling a little tense today. And I just want you to be aware of that. So if, if I feel a little short or I say something that just feels unkind, please bring it to my attention, but no, it's not about you. Because of this, I, emotional health going deeper in me, what I've learned is this. I've learned that my emotions are not a limit. They're, they're an asset. And one of the ways I experience that is that I can more readily admit my sadness. I mean, that's something I never wanted to admit to in my life that I was feeling sad. In fact, I would change whatever I had to change not to emotionally go into sadness. So a number of weeks back, I found out my mom, who we knew because we had been talking as a family about moving her into a personal care unit. But the decision was made on a weekend and I didn't even know about it. And when I found out, there was just this deep sadness. And at first I wanted to I wanted to change the subject. I didn't want anybody to see I was hurting, including my wife. And I finally just brought it to her and I said, honey, I'm just feeling deeply sad. I don't know why specifically, but I know it has to do with this. I know it has to do with this. And I've learned that as I embrace sadness, that what God does in the process of it is he enlarges my soul. See, your sadness doesn't make you less, it makes you more. That's what grieving and loss does. It makes you more, not less. The other thing I've learned as I've accepted my limits is I've, I've learned that I can more readily admit when I'm weak and feeling needy. And there are times I feel this. In fact, I want to read to you an excerpt um, out of my out of my journal that I I wrote back on May 30th, 2014. It was actually the third day of my sabbatical. I wanna read this to you. Here was the excerpt. I am realizing in a fresh way that I am only as good as I am dependent on God. The wounds from my past personal family and ministry have helped shape me into the man that I am the man God wants me to be. Like Jacob, who had to wrestle with God to get a blessing, I too must be willing to wrestle with God. Learning, I also must be willing to walk with a limp and not be too proud to admit my weaknesses. Learning to depend on God also means I must learn to depend on those God has placed around me. I can't be threatened to lean into the strength of others. I must accept my limitations and learn to trust more fully in those God has given me to cover my weaknesses. And so in the process, I began that journey of leaning into that. And what I've learned is that as I've leaned into my own limits, what God has done is God has made up the difference of those limits with people and with situations and circumstances that actually help me to more honestly embrace my limits and listen, accept myself in them. That's huge. Acknowledging your limits is one thing. Accepting yourself with limits, wow. That's a whole different story. But do you know that's exactly how God loved you? And loved me. Romans chapter five, let me close with this. Verses six through eight, I like this from the message. He, Christ, didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. We can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. In other words, we bring nothing to the table. And here's the reality. Through Jesus, God has fully accepted you in your limits. Through Jesus, he doesn't just know they're there, he loves you with them and he accepts you with them. And this is what I've learned. To love myself like God loves me I too have to acknowledge and embrace my limits and I have to accept myself in them and then I have to bring others into it that also can become aware of my limits and still love me and accept me even with those limits. This is part of wholeness. Trust me, you will not become whole without this peace without people knowing all the good about you and without them knowing all your limits and things that are bad and still loving you and accepting you even with them. That's exactly how God loved us. And it's exactly how God calls us to love each other as we love our own self. Don't miss that. So how are you doing with your limits these days? Ignoring them? Tolerating them? Or are you bracing and accepting them as part of who you are, recognizing that with God, I can do all things? With God, all things are possible. I invite you to stand this morning and bow your head, please, as we pray. I suspect that uh, all of us this morning have perhaps a way that God has been inviting us. Maybe you've been feeling a stirring inside that you've been so busy protecting your image that you don't want anybody to see and you'd be humiliated if they knew your limits. Perhaps you're feeling God's invitation for you to come and find your place in his love today because you're having a tough time loving yourself but you want to accept God's love for you just right where you are without you having to change a thing. You don't have to do anything different. Trust me, God accepts you as you are. That's how he loves you. With all your good and all your limits. So this morning with your head bowed and eyes closed, I'm just wondering Just generally, how, if you're sensing God speaking to you, inviting you to trust him with your limits today, and you know this is not normal for you, this is not easy for you, but this morning you want to give God permission, you want to invite God into this area of your life, and you want God to help you to embrace and to accept your limits more readily, more fully. Would you slip your hand up if that's you and just say, I'm I'm in that category today. I find myself right there and I need God's help with this area because it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. So many of us, thank you for, thank you for just being honest today. So Limitless God, thank you for the fact that you subjected yourself to limits so that we could experience your love. It is just so profound to realize that you became contained and confined in order that we would understand how to accept our own limits, to embrace them, to love ourselves, and to love you and others, God, really well in them. So, my prayer today is that you'll help each of us. Thank you. For the honesty of those who lifted their hand today to say, I need help in this area. This is a hard one for me. Perhaps they're accepting their invitation, your invitation to your love today to be um, deeply sunk deep into their heart. Perhaps they're asking for prayer today because they've been rejecting or ignoring their limits or the limits of another. And they're not accepting someone else in their limits. And they're, re- they're realizing They need to do that, Lord. Whatever it is, wherever we are today, we just wanna bring this honest place to you with one another. God, we need you, we're dependent on you, and we recognize that apart from you, we cannot grow in this area, so help us. Help us to humbly accept our limits, to embrace them for what they are. And we do that with the help of a limitless God who loves us despite our limits. So Lord, we just pray your blessing today on our hearts and help us as we take what we've received today from you and let it go deep in our hearts that it would be transformative, God, in us. We thank you and we pray these things in Christ's name and for God's glory. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Have a great afternoon.